Hey everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Health Points. I'm Ben Wilkins, and with me is my co-host Pete. Hi everyone. And today we have with us Paul. Paul has a decade and a half of experience in leadership and management around digital solutions and fitness. And he's the founder of FitLink with a mission to make the world fit, healthy and happy. Paul, it's great to have you on the show today. Thank you for having me. Pleasure to be here. Thank you. Uh, so uh, it would be great to know a bit about your background and how you ended up working on fitness gamification and FitLink. Sure. So I'm a bit of a techie and a bit of a product guy and a bit of a startup addict, I suppose you could call it. And I've spent a, a long, long time trying to solve problems with technology over the years. Um, and I've had a sort of a good split of being agency side and sort of product side. You know, my own, my own sort of projects, products, and some of them turn into real businesses. if They're good enough. Um, so I've got, a, got this, this nice sort of blend of being agency side and being the client side, if, if you like. Um, now, where FitLink was born, it was, it was I was trying to solve a problem. Um, and, and back then, sort of gamification wasn't part of the, the solution. It sort of came into play as I started growing, growing the product. FitLink, the, the reason I built it back in the day was to solve the problem of what I now call the disconnected world of activity trackers. Um, so um, myself and a few friends, we were all training for a running event um, and we were just all by chance using different trackers. I think I was using Strava, someone was using Nike, someone was using their watch and someone was using something else. And now the the competitive nature in me or, you know, just because I'm training and I want to see pace, I want to see what people are up to. We were invisible to each other and None of us wanted to join the other app because we are loyal to our own app because we'd already built up some data. Um, so as a as a fix, we used to upload uh, activities to Facebook, and that was the common platform where we could sort of share and talk and discuss. That used to piss our non-runner friends off, um, and I was uh, you know I was a bit of a developer back then, um, and I cobbled together the first version of FitLink, which was just a way of getting some of these trackers. Uh, the data from them into a feed. And then we all had like a web app. We had a feed of activities, which we could all see. And that was it. And that's where it was born, really. And sort of over the years, it's just developed. And it's just organically grown based on features that I think are valuable, uh, listening to to users, listening to what's going on in the market, trends, and just sort of like it's, it's sort of grown to where it is today. Um, yeah. That's cool. I mean, I've got to ask, so how many different fitness trackers have you integrated with? And how do you stay on top of how many there are and which ones are going to be popular? So the first version of FitLink, I don't think Apple Play, um, Apple Play, Apple Health was even a thing back then. Um, so like back then, the, the, that was the challenge. Like, wow, how many, the what the devices, the apps, the, the wearables, it's just so many. Um, and in a weird way, it was like, that's good. May there continue to be many because that's the problem we're solving is connecting them all. Um, and then Apple Health came along and sort of, oh, OK, wait a minute, that's sort of doing what we're doing. They're aggregating all the data, but then they didn't really do anything with it. It was just like, we'll aggregate it, make it available. And that's just, that's we stop there. And then obviously Google have Google Fit, the same version. Samsung have something and and they everyone has their own sort of OS level, their own way of collecting data. Um, so by, at that point, I think we'd had sort of Runkeeper, Strava, Garmin, and maybe another one. Then Apple Health came along. We're like, oh, wait a minute. They're doing a lot of the work for us. Let's, let's just sync with Apple Health 
And then that just opens up everything. So with Apple Health, obviously, as long as the user's syncing whatever app they're using to Apple Health, they sync Apple Health to FitLink, then we see that data. Then that helps us sort of go uh, sideways, as in, you know, we, we get access to fitness data, to movement data. Then now there's stuff like mindfulness, steps, sleep, water, all these other things which Apple Health is just you know, consuming with or without our knowledge. So that made it easy for us to go, okay, well, we could offer some some, some cool features around that data, which we're, we're pulling in. Um, and we work with, so we work with Google, uh, Google Fit, Apple Health, Strava, RunKeeper, the, the few others. And there are a few, so Fitbit's an interesting one because they've now been acquired by Google, but Fitbit wouldn't play with Apple or Google. So there was a few out there who go, well, we have to have a direct sort of connection with Fitbit. We can't rely on Apple Health. Or, so there's a few like that, and there will will continue to be a few. Um, but no, literally, because of Apple Health and, and Google Fit now, any any fitness or, or any you know app out there, as long as that's syncing with Apple Health, we we will see the data. So there's there's hundreds, literally hundreds of, of them. So you've got a slight issue just business model wise because you're relying on Apple and Google. But the, well, how does that make you feel? How does that do for your health? Yeah, you know, you, you do have this, you know, one day you get an email saying, oh, by the way, we're switching it off. And we're like, oh, OK, well, we've, that's the business gone. No, I think um, parallel track, we are going to keep there. There are enough sort of direct connections with the likes of Strava, Fit, the devices, really, you know, like Garmin Watch, Suntu Watch, those devices. So we'll slowly start picking them off, picking off one by one, one by one. Um, we'll never be able to sort of get everything like Apple Health can and Fit and then Google Fit can. But yet yeah, there is a risk there. You're right. But we just have to make sure that if ever they do switch it off, we've, we've got enough of the others. We're talking directly to enough of the others not for, to be a problem. That's cool. So you've thought about that. That's good. One of the things I noticed in what you were saying is like you're getting some weird, well, sorry, not weird, but like data from some apps that you might not get for, from others, like tracking how much water is being drunk was one of your examples. Do you find yourself getting frustrated that all the other apps don't do that? Because now, because you're, if I'm competing with my friends and I'm competing on water drinking and none of them have access to a tracker for that. Yeah. That's going to be a bit hard for you to build a game around. It is, yeah. So we actually, we end up promoting a lot of the apps as well. You know, so we don't want to, we'll never be an activity. We'll never be a tracker ourselves ever. And that's the one thing I always say, like there's some, brilliant companies out there spending millions and millions of pounds being a tracker. So let them do that. Um, but that has come up where people are like, well, I, I can't, I, I'm not tracking that thing, but I want to, cause my, let's go, we, we can recommend here's, here's a load of apps, which you can go and download and use. So we do, yeah, we make recommendations. We do some posts inside of our FAQs on the app. There are, you know, there's some, there's some like, um, for each of our, so we, we have these four wellness pillars, uh, movement, hydration, sleep, and mindfulness uh, are those. They're the four. We've, we've we avoid food. Food's just a, a headache, really. Nutrition. Those four we focus on, and we have like our top ten apps for each of those four. Um, so if anybody asks, we can just send them a a link to something. Go download one of those, and you'll you'll be able to track it. And to be fair, most of those I've I've used and tested, and personally sort of vouching for because I, I know them. Fantastic. And I think it's so important when, when you're looking at things like gamification, particularly when things like collaboration and competition are so important, uh, pure and simple game mechanics. 
Um, if people have to have the same brand of an app or same tracker, it makes it really complicated from a logistics point of view. So as a baseline, that's fantastic. What I want to know now is who do you see as your average users coming through to FitLink? Yeah, good question, really. I mean, you could cut FitLink in half and, and half of it is a B2C, an individual model. So FitLink can, anybody can download FitLink and use it as an individual and you can connect your tracker, you can earn points, you can, you know, you can compete, et cetera, et cetera. So um, those type of people are normally, unfortunately, they're normally already fit and healthy um, because they, you know, they're already tracking something and, and every fitness app has is in danger of getting the fit fitter and forgetting about everybody else who's trying to get started. So yeah, normally, yeah, the people who download it from an individual basis are, are people who are already tracking, they're already doing something and it could be like a running club and they're, they're trying to solve that problem of like we want one thing to connect us all really um, in a league. So running clubs, cycling clubs, they're quite popular. They, they um, have lots of groups using FitLink for, for just that. And obviously the flip side um, is B2B. So things like employee wellbeing and stuff like that. So, um, that really could be anybody because it's, it's down to the business to pr- be promoting it and encouraging their staff to use the app. Um, so, so yeah, and that, so that, that's a little bit, we don't know really who the average user is of the B2B. We just know that a B2B customer is normally a forward-thinking HR person who cares about their staff, um, really, yeah. I completely agree that the problem with a lot of trackers is, is getting the fitter. I think the approach of the B2B is fantastic and it's a really important thing that employers see their staff members and their teams as more than just people completing tasks, but their overall holistic well-being. It's all well and good, an organization buying in FitLink, but it may be offered on an email or on a text to their employees. How do you ensure that you get the people who are still would most benefit from being more physically active to not just see that email or that kind of weekly round meeting and go, that's not for me. What do you do to make sure that they go, ah, actually, that's a, that's a unique thing I can do for myself? Yeah. So you've now another big issue, another problem that, that we have is, is yeah, like the initial, you know, um, excitement or intent or motivation to use FitLink is there. And, and sometimes it's top down. So it's the, you know, like an email goes out, we must use this. And then it, yeah, flattens off as, you know, people forget. But so to solve that, we have, so as part of, so if you're a business and you're using FitLink, you're paying for FitLink, the end user, the, the employees, they get the app. So that's what they get straight away. The HR person or the person who's administering the campaign, they get a dashboard. Um, so they get some, a, a way of administering and managing and seeing the data and running the campaign. And then we also give them a, which is it's optional, is a little microsite, custom, and they have a, a CMS, they control it. And we sort of encourage them to say, that is your sort of, that's your focal point. That's the place where you're going to, uh, promote this campaign where people can come to regularly to see what the latest leagues are, the challenges, what the latest rewards are, who's who's doing well, um, and but ultimately it does need an individual. It needs somebody on the client side to invest some time in this. Um, it's not something you know you, you just put live and it's just going to run itself. So we do say like we can give you the tools and we can give you the knowledge but you do need somebody that on you know someone's passionate about this. Um I mean well-being warrior or you know get all the different titles now but somebody on the client side who can get behind it and start promoting it. And we are waiting for that sort of I don't know if it's critical mass but it's almost like there'll be a point where so many people are doing it that you feel left out like oh I'm I want to get involved in this. 
Um, and the first, and then we will give some pointers to the person who's setting up the campaign to say, look, plan for six months. Every single month, have a theme. There are sort of some well-being themes that follow, you know, you have Mindfulness May and things like that, Fitness February. So you could follow the generic themes that the country follows or come up with your own. So every month, just just target mindfulness, fitness, um, drinking water, hydration, things like that. Uh, try and come up with a reward because that's the other thing that the, the admin can add their own rewards into their FitLink campaign. So they might want to invest some cash into some Fitbits or you know, a weekend away uh, or some time off, you know, one hour increments of, of time off are, are nice rewards to get someone to do something. So it's saying like, here's now follow this plan, six months. Here's it, roughly follow, do, do these things, rewards. Um, we're here to support you. You've got to do it. And the, and the first league that you should create is a steps league because anybody can join a steps league and actually the steps league become the most competitive. Um, and the way FitLink works is steps are real time. So when a league is normally leagues end on a Sunday, because people create them on a Sunday and they like to follow the week, the, the week when they create a league, they can set it to run for one, two, three or a, weeks or a month. So on that Sunday, when it's, when it's coming down to the wire, you can literally see live, like, you know, so you might be in third place, but you're only 200 steps from first place and as it's closing down you get push notifications to say you're close you're close and you can see it changing you know people are going out and and, and that's that's exactly what we want to happen is the competitive side kicks in the leagues work and it's not running 10k it's literally walking around your house a couple of times to try and win a steps league and that's sort of like at the heart of of what we're trying to do i think that answers the question around you know getting the we're not asking people to run half you know a half marathon it's literally steps like just just walk around your garden and you you know you're competing in the steps league yeah do you set challenges and goals for them i'm thinking of a product that used to be out there called step jockey yes and they used to have these goals like the first team to complete climbing the height of Mount Everest or whatever, going up the steps in the building. Do you get people to set those challenges to what do you see used? How effective is it? So, yeah, I know Step Jockey well and, and uh, I know some of the guys there. And, um, and so, so Step Jockey was all, all around, you know, targeting the, the towers, the office blocks, and they would go up, climb up the stairs. Um, now, yes, yeah, so at the moment, there's nothing, it, it's something that is on is, on, is on, on our radar as a nice feature to say, it's almost like theming a league, like what does this league translate into? Is it like walking from here to Paris and back? Or, and, and it's like a France, a French theme or something like that. Um, but, but the short answer is no, we don't do anything like that. You know, we don't sort of translate you know, the, the distance or something into something which is easily digestible. But it has come up a few times. People have suggested that a few a few times um at the moment that you know i hate to say it they are, they are just straight up boring leaderboards you know you just join a league and it's just a leaderboard and you go up and down based on how active you are whether you're running cycling swimming doing hit workouts or steps but it and and, and that's really it it's, it's as simple as that um, yeah <laughs> i'd love to say that's it interview over leaderboards <laughs> done but no i mean people particularly people with fitness trackers they like seeing the data and they like seeing what's changing so exactly. what i see with your two audiences is you've got one which is this bunch of people who are already doing that and then you've got these people in the world of work who aren't necessarily doing that and you're sort of opening it up to them is that about right exactly yeah yeah so there's there's more chance of getting some you know um 
trying to use my words right here, but somebody who's not, you know, maybe that active and that fit, um, there's more chance of them getting on them on FitLink if all their workmates are doing it. Um, and there's something as easy as a steps league. Um, and so leagues are optional. You know, you don't have to join it. You, you can just be an individual using FitLink. You can earn points. You can create a, a so users that create a league are private and invite only. So I can, I can create a league and just invite you to, and it's just us three and we have a league running and that's it. Or I can invite the world and, and they all join, join my league and there's hundreds of us in, in a league. Um, or I don't have to, or I don't have to create or join a league at all because I'm, I don't feel like, because it, it's quite intimidating sometimes. And, and normally you find on the public leagues that if you're competitive and you know you can compete, you will join a league. If you're like, no, I, you look at the league, no, I can't even, so you, and that makes you feel a bit crap and we don't want that. Um, so it's always about that fine, you know, it's not about smashing 10Ks and personal bests and, you know, doing this. It, it, it's just about, I always say to people, it's just about getting more active more often. When we say more active, it's just walk, just get up and walk, stretch, you know, move your body. Uh, and, and then that will, that will, that will lead on to something else. Naturally it should. Um, so, so one is, do you actually track the difference between people who have joined a league or not? Can you see how much difference there is in the levels of activity? No way of looking at the data, but no, we don't. We, we could do, yeah, as in, we, we could do, yeah, because the data is coming through, but we, we're not visualizing that in a way and, and we're not comparing, you know, people in leagues compared to people in, in I see where you're going with it. You, yeah. you could argue that people who are competing in leagues maybe become a bit fitter because the competitive nature in them takes over. Um, yeah, we don't know the answer, do we? But maybe we're doing them a disservice. And I, now I'm thinking about the game Ingress from Google, which got people out walking. But they there, they just had two teams. And when you joined the game, you selected one of them. They both sounded cool. And you could do a very small amount for it or a lot. It didn't really matter, but you were part of a team. And therefore, you're going to be doing more. Um, some people were just putting effort into tactics and strategy and a little bit of movement. Other people would just go for it. Yeah. There's an experiment. Yeah, totally. And I think if all of your workmates are doing something, you don't want to feel left out. So you're probably more chance to join in and, 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 you know, and if it's like a collective, you know, and that's the other thing in, in FitLink, you can have, you know, team battles. So rather than just individuals in leaderboard, you can create two teams. So it could be like IT team versus marketing team, like head to head on a weekly steps. And then that, you know, the, the, the IT team are going, come on, guys, we need to all get, we all need to do this. You know, let's go, let's go. Let's go for a walk at lunchtime. Let's go for, a, let's, you know, don't drive to work, walk into work. Let's smash this, this team battle. Um, so, yeah, definitely, yeah. I'm going to take us back a little bit because you went at the gates there and went deep. Right, I'm going to take us back a bit. First of all, Paul, without a doubt, it's great to know the amount of time you put into the implementation of FitLink and not just saying, here's an app, get your staff to sign up, done. Because the biggest challenge, and Pete and I both know organizations and work with people who their biggest challenge without a doubt is not having the right technology, is having the technology adopted in organizations they're trying to push it out to. So it's great to know you really put that time and thought into it. We talked through so many different game mechanics and so many different game education features in the last five to 10 minutes just went out everywhere. What I want to know now is how did you approach bringing in gamification to what you did? Did you write it down? Did you go out and speak to people? Because the big thing about adopting gamification is kind of where to start because there's so many avenues to go down. It'd be great to know how you approached it strategically, off the cuff, ad hoc, 
um, and to where you are now with using gamification. Yeah, so I'm sort of embarrassed to say that, no, I, I didn't really have a plan or or you know we didn't follow any framework or you know had no experience in it whatsoever the, the first sort of like um I, I guess where it started from was when i first built the first version of fitlink that that prototype and i was i'd end up just thinking about it when i was running you know it became like my natural thing is like think about fitlink when you run and then you come up with all these ideas and you know um then you're like, as a user because i'm running now imagine i'm as a user would this be a, a benefit you know benefit my biggest fear at the time was I wasn't confident enough that that solving that problem was enough to keep people using the app. I thought so. I was just like retention, like how can I keep people using the app coming back? I don't know if it was an article I read or something on on TV, but it was around air miles. It was around how you know we build up air miles with a, with an airline or an air, airline or a group, um, even though we never claim the air miles back or we never you know really use them uh, when we go to book again obviously we feel loyal you know because we've built up some points and there's sort of some value there or it feels like currency so there's something you don't want to lose so you you tend to go back and, and stay loyal to that airline and that's where i was going with it sort of like okay so instead of air miles maybe it's run miles so that the idea is that every mile you run is worth a point and then that sounds like, yeah, and then you're really earning those points because you're running for them. It's hard. They're hard points. And then maybe those points could unlock something or, or be spent on something. And it was just a natural thing. Okay, we well, like health products or something, something to do with fitness. Like, and, and the first idea was, was running trainers or running shoes. And I was like, I'm always buying, you know, every, they say every 500 miles or 600 miles or whatever, you have to you know, replace your, your running shoes. I was like, wouldn't it be awesome? Like if you just earn enough points, which would unlock a, a discount or a reward against some running shoes. And maybe at mile 599, you get a push notification to say, hey, you need some new running shoes. Uh, and you know, your, your points will unlock this reward or, some, or something like that. So so yeah, that's where the point sort of system came from, um, was air miles, loyalty, and I was trying to keep people retained. Like they'll build up some points of FitLink, so therefore they'll keep coming back and they wouldn't want to lose the points. And then ultimately those points would then unlock. Then it was like a inside of the app, we had like some some rewards and it was, okay, well, maybe we can use, maybe we can lock the rewards so they can sort of see them, they're teased by them, but they they haven't got enough points. So in like visually, there's a progress bar to show them you, you're only, a, you only got a small amount to go. And that might be enough just to motivate someone to, to get back out again, you know, to run a bit longer. And that, another thing is another sort of guiding principle of FitLink is just subtle nudges to get people more active. That's, that's all it is, a little subtle nudge here, not nudge there, nudge there, nudge there. Maybe just a visual of seeing a locked reward, a few more points to go might be that little nudge you need to get back out the door. So anyway, that's where I sort of, I suppose the first bit of gamification came from was like converting movement into points and then the points would sort of be spent or unlock um, rewards. Um, and then the, then the points sort of system that naturally then leaderboards and it's like leagues, okay, everyone's earning points and then we can compete with, with the points. That's where leaderboards really came from. Um, yeah, that's, I don't know if I'm answering your question now, but I, I'm going to- I think you did. So- I like the mix of gamification and nudges that you're using. And you're obviously just thinking of them and throwing them in sometimes. What's your testing regime for them? And are there any that eventually you dropped because they didn't work? And what were they? Ah, oh, good question. Yeah, so 
fast forward from that me building the first prototype to then I've you know a year on I've actually got it built professionally you know I've you know got someone built it I paid it I've got it designed nicely and I've got you know I'm, I now sort of have, have a product and it's live in the app store and it's sort of working and I've, because I'm sort of from a, I have an agency background I had you know lots of I was a, a front-end developer myself I had other developers designers so it was actually quite easy just to sort of knock out a feature you know and sometimes I'll be guilty to say that I just personally thought it'd be great you know I think it's great. So I'd like to see it live. And then you know, nothing really happened or, or people just request it. You know, people talk about it or you read up and you see other apps doing it. And, and it might not be other fitness apps, just apps are doing something, you know, and you think oh, that's a nice way of just keeping people retained or keeping sparking interest or, you know, so I would just then borrow it. And some just, you just can't, you cut that, that won't just translate into this at all. Um, and others would, um, and yeah, I, I mean, that's really it. The, and, and I would just sort of, um, I, I, I'm in charge of the roadmap. It's in my head. And I would decide, you know, this feature I think is good. And and, and it would go out. And, you know, if you ask my friends or any of my, you know, any, anybody I know, I talk about FitLink a lot. And I talk about, you know, the, the space a lot. So I'd, I'd run it past them. I'd, you know, oh, so what would you think about if uh, if an app like would do, oh, you think it's a good, okay, brilliant. You know, just subtly just, you know, getting some, feedback really before committing to to deving it out but yeah I, I suppose to answer your question really it was it was never really a challenge just to ship something so just shipping something quickly 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 and then I don't think we've we've pulled a feature back there are definitely some features that weren't as successful as I thought so as an example um I don't know if this is really falls into gamification but um, the idea was around people, obviously people take lots of selfies or fitness pictures and Instagram is full of all these you know, pictures of people who seem to be celebrating a win or a proud moment of some sort. And I was like, there must be a way where, you know, I've just gone out and smashed, you know, a PB or I've just run the longest I've ever run. And I, I want to celebrate that. So maybe I could just take a picture, upload it to FitLink and then share it on my socials. But then in sharing it through FitLink, it stamps like the stats. And then most importantly, it stamps the FitLink logo and the URL. So therefore, I'm obviously getting, if I encourage people just to share that picture off and getting some advertising. Uh, and, you know, I was like, this is going to be an absolute game changer. Overnight, it's going to take off and everyone's going to share pictures because I think, because I do, and I think everyone else would. And it's, it never did, you know, and still to this day, nobody really uses that feature and and shares pictures i'm still like really like there's so many people doing it why aren't you doing it through fitlink maybe it's because the stats are on it and the fitlink brands on it and that puts them off i don't know but that's one feature that i yeah that's interesting because i think sometimes strava does it automatically mm. so it kind of auto shares everything yeah we have a few researchers academics doctors professors came on the show and their approach is very systematic. A singular game mechanic that may have taken months to write in that application for research funding. I love your entrepreneurial mindset. It's very much bish bash boss. I was uh, I was a front end developer. I know what I like, and I got a good idea in my stomach what people are going to like. Let's give it a go. Um, love the approach. I do a lot of that myself. I sit in the middle from a background in research and an entrepreneur, but I completely applaud your approach because sometimes just getting it out there and seeing what works and what doesn't work is half the battle. I want to take you back to the, the points of the game mechanics around points. What happens for people who just aren't that active and are never going to be able to run a marathon and as a result, never going to earn anywhere near points equivalent to air miles 
do you have a way to weight it or do you have a way to still make it inclusive for people who are inactive, maybe have disabilities, just very immobile, so they can still get the benefit of points? Yeah, so um, there was a point where we changed. Um, so we basically just used distance as the metric. So it was like, you know, one mile was, was worth one point, something as simple as that. One mile, one point, one kilometer, one point. And obviously a five mile uphill run compared to a five mile downhill run, the effort in in the two is different, but you got rewarded in the same. So I always knew that wasn't quite right. And then it was, um, as I think um, apps and trackers got more sophisticated, like that more data was coming through. And we were seeing actually calorie burnt data. Out of all the data that's coming through, that seems to be like the common, and things like Strava or watches or Fitbits are doing a good job of actually calculating how many calories you've burnt assuming you've put in your height and it knows your weight and because it's tracking your heart rate and all those stuff. So assuming that that's all correct, the calorie burnt data is the best way of knowing how much effort has gone into that activity. And at the same time, we sort of broadened it just from running. It went into other things like yoga, hit, swim, anything that involves moving or burning calories, playing golf, um, walk, anything. So that sort of, I think, made it fairer in terms of those two runs, the uphill run, downhill run, then became, you know, you'd earn a different amount of points for the uphill because it's there'll be more effort, so more calories burnt. Um, so I think that helped with the sort of yeah, people in a will. I mean, I, I do know that there are dedicated uh, trackers out there for people who want to track their, you know, wheelchair activity. Again, I'm being sort of cautious of my wording, I'm sensitive about how you describe that. But yeah, there are, there definitely is trackers that people use for, for on wheelchairs and things like that. Um, and that will record calorie burnt. You're going to burn calories. Um, so I think that, that move by, you know, including all movement that, and then changing from mileage to calorie burnt data makes it a bit fairer um yeah completely agree it's great that you include to think about people in wheelchairs i guess i mean from where i work in the kind of population we work with uh, a good boost and people with musculoskeletal disorders around a third of our participants have said that they their maximum walk distance is around 100 meters before coming to a class like that's how they score themselves and where they perceive their distance they could ever walk so for them if they get to 100 meters they may have only burned 10, 20 calories on that, but their effort put in to get that distance is going to be equivalent of someone who maybe done two marathons because that's at the end of their ability. How do we make sure that people are being rewarded based on the, working within their ability um, rather than saying the only way to measure someone is miles, efforts and calories because someone may not be able to burn 500 calories a day because they just couldn't do that amount of activity. Uh, whether it's in a wheelchair, whether it's on two feet. Um, because if we're going to get people who are like limited in mobility, don't walk often, perceive themselves as inactive, and they're being rewarded differently, how do we encourage them to be more active? It's a really good question, actually. And I'm like, sort of sorry to say is I, I don't know the answer to it. Um, but I'd love to know, I'd love to know what, you know, to work on that. And being inclusive is, is 100% what we want to do. I suppose without sort of uh, coming up with an excuse um, again it's something I always say is like Fitlink is only only as good as the trackers and the wearables and the things out there because we don't do it ourselves. we don't track anything ourselves we rely on third parties to do that um, so so yeah it's sort of like without pushing the blame as you like it's like are there ways of, of tracking that or getting some sort of form of data that is um that is more in favor of that, you know, like you say, like it might not be you've burnt X calories, but the effort that's gone in is equal to something else. So if there's a way of getting that data in, then I would love to include that into FitLink in a way. But yeah, short answer is 
we don't, and I, I don't know how, but I'd love to. I'd love to work on that for sure. There, there is a way, which is um, basically percentage improvement, but you need to track a baseline of data for a okay. while. And from a gamification point of view, this bit is tough because how do you keep people using it while they're not actually getting the gamified features? I mean, I've got a client that has to work with one day of baseline data before they can do their particular type of tracking. And they struggle to get people to use it for that one day, let alone, what do we need? Maybe a month of data, because you need to see a, a lifestyle in action. Maybe you have to reward people in a different way for that bit. Yeah, no, yeah, totally. And um, so the other bit we've been struggling with a little bit is, um, so right now, the only way to earn points is on any of the movement data that comes in. And obviously we've got hydration, sleep, um, and mindfulness, that's coming in as well. But you don't earn points from those things um and we're just trying to come like how how can we like what is one one minute of mindfulness and one liter of water and you know one hour of sleep like what are the values of those things and 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 are they, are they one point is that one point each or you know how can we if someone slept and you reward them some points they can't sleep more and more points that day. So it's sort of like a bit of a weird one, really. And where I'm going with it now is to maybe think about, okay, well, we have goal setting. So people can set goals for those for those things. So you can say, I want to sleep eight hours. I want to drink three liters of water and meditate for 10 minutes. Uh, so you can set that up in the app and uh, it's a daily goal. And every time you look at your profile screen, you will see the, the rings close. You know, it's just a normal ring and it eventually the idea is you want to close those rings. Um, now, maybe maybe a way around it is that um, you know, closing all four rings earns you a bonus point or something happens because you've closed all four rings. Um, then looking at streaks, so maybe close all four rings for seven days for the week. That's another extra point, whatever. And then you sort of start going down that territory, really, of, of not so much, you know, the activity is worth points, but hitting the goal consistently uh, for X days is worth points and then doing all of your rings, you know, because I, I say to people, if you hit close all four rings, that's good health. You know, you're in good health if you can close all four rings. I don't. I struggle to close all four rings, you know, um, but if you but, you know, if, if you knew that closing all four rings was going to be worth X points, that might be that might sort of be enough just to keep me. OK, I, I will try and close those rings a bit more. And then the streaks things, I, you know, I know I know it works. People like to keep their the moment the streaks going, the momentum going. Um, so that could be a way of doing it without using actual, you know, movement data like calories or distance. There's other ways of sort of you know, earning points. Um, yeah. Don't know if that's answering your question again, but I think it's on the way. Yeah, you're in the process. It's given me the, a question that occurred to me earlier because I was thinking about Ben's product. It's as well as fitness trackers, there's quite a lot of medical trackers that track different health behaviors as well. Some of them you might count as fitness and activity, like breathing properly for asthma. There's devices to test that. There's movement in the pool, things like that. Have you thought about broadening the range of what you interact with? 100%. I had a conversation yesterday with a guy and he does like, he tracks his glucose levels and, and other things. He's like obsessed. Like there's a name for it where, where people just love tracking personal health, you know. And this guy was, I thought I tracked a lot. Like I wear an aura ring. I have, you know, watches and I, I'm doing my, it's, this guy was like, oh no, I've got like sort of medical grade equipment in my office. He puts stuff on his arms and stuff here and he's taking blood samples on a daily basis. It's like, wow, you're like, that's an edge case really for us. But I'd love, again, like that's 
it's all going that way you know right now you're putting like the, the equipment you're using is quite bulky and big and but soon it will be invisible and seamless and easy and it'll be all app based and you know so it definitely feels like that's the, the like um, there's no there's nothing right now on the roadmap to say yeah we're going to think about integrating with glucose trackers this year um but i, I it's it inevitably will happen for sure um and we want to be you know, using the word inclusive again is all health and again there is this sort of like convert like the, you've got i suppose what i call that like personal health as in personal fitness where people are motivated to track their own health or look after their own health and then you've got sort of the more medical side um like private health and things like that where, where medical records are sat somewhere else which you're not really that in, not really in control of but there's data being collected and there's data over there it feels like soon these two will merge or or, or talk to each other or, or or there's definitely a benefit of them talking to each other you know the whole classic of going into the doctor and him asking you so how fit are you how often do you run how sleep he should just see that on his screen because i'm in the I'm in the room and I track everything and it's detected that, you know, I'm there. So he could just have that data in front of him. So he doesn't need to answer, ask me those questions. He just knows it. Um, yeah. So I, again, I don't know if I'm answering your question, but yeah, there's the, the again, the, the two worlds are, are coming together. Um, and I think that's great. I want that to happen. And yeah, that's, that's good. I think over time, Paul, there's no doubt for everything we can monitor for health and well-being, I think there will be more gamification and how we can kind of track and whatever mechanics we're looking for, whether it's competing, collaborating, leaderboards, points, and that's what's going to happen. I have one last question on the dive down into around what you do for corporates as well around reward-based systems. So you, you mentioned that sometimes people can earn extra hours off and kind of over time. How often do you see that as a reward mechanism? Um, and also, my question behind that is, is it just that marathon runners are getting additional, endless additional days off a year, whereas the couch potatoes just aren't getting extra time off? And is there a way to balance for that as well? Yeah, it's another really good question, actually. Yeah, you, you definitely see, like the campaign goes live and after a month or so, you definitely see, okay, there's lots of people being really active and earning a load of points. And there's some people aren't, just downloaded the, downloaded the app and they haven't even bothered tracking anything yet. And there's other people we should target for one. Um, but yeah, no, you are right. So the rewards store or portal part is an important piece to the whole sort of puzzle to, to the campaign. Um, so out the box, when they when they go live, they get a load of um, rewards from FitLink. So we have negotiated a load of discounts and offers and voucher codes and things like that from some brands that we just hand over. Like they're yours to use. Um, there's sort of like an education piece to say, look, you know your company, you know your workforce, you know where you live, where you work, where you play. So um, come up with some ideas or some sort of val- what you think are valuable re- rewards for your staff, you know. And depending on if you're talking to office workers or van drivers or wh- whoever the workforce is, there's different rewards will, will be more attractive. Um, time off, I always throw time off in there and people always go, ah, oh, brilliant. But yeah, you, you're right. It, it, very few people actually put it in as a as a reward um it's sort of like it, it, in theory it goes oh yeah that would work you know i would say you know half trying to get someone to cycle into work instead of taking their car you know it's, it's difficult for them to change their habit that's whole behavior, behavioral change thing but you know um i think the, the easiest way to get someone to change their habit is just reward them you know or, or you pay them or reward them for doing it um so they've got an incentive to do it uh, and so sometimes it's like well how's half a day off work as an incentive but then do something healthy and active in that half a day could could, could be sort of the recommendation um 
But yeah, sometimes companies have said that it's just a bit of a it's a bit of a headache, really. You know, is that half a day extra? Does it come out? You know, how, how does HR handle that? How do we book it? It's just yeah. So it gets a bit complicated with with that. But it's um, but depending on the size of the company, you know, obviously a small company can do what they want. They can offer things like that. Um, I do know what works well is just a new offering we've we've only just put live, um, and that was tree planting and carbon offsetting projects uh and the idea was around so again it's something that i thought that i was passionate about and i was like well i, I think it's good so everyone everyone else would think it was good and, and i think i might have got this right because it does go down quite well so we've partnered up with uh ecology um and they're they're more of a tech company really but they've they've got this incredible platform apis and they allow us to sort of purchase tree planting in bulk um and then we we can then sell trees unplanted trees to our customers so they can buy you know 100 trees 200 trees however many trees they want and they can then say to their staff look if you do x if you win this league if you earn enough points we will go and plant 100 trees in this forest in madagascar or, or wherever um then all of a sudden again it's, it's like okay well i'm not doing something for myself i'm doing something for the planet therefore that feels more meaningful so my next run or my next walk to work actually feels like it's doing something for the greater good. It's not just to benefit me as an individual, it's going to benefit the world. And then you've got the whole thing about healthy you, healthy planet. So there's a, there's a whole sort of, you know, and then you know, companies love it. You know, everyone should be doing something about it. And you know, funny enough, the, I just came from a meeting with a private uh, charter airline company uh, and, and, you know, they're getting slammed, you know, because they're, they're really, really bad with, with uh, the amount of fossil fuels they're burning and so they have a real bad uh, rep at the moment so they're doing everything they can to, to change that so they, they're planting trees already and trying to be sustainable but they love the angle of getting all of their staff healthy and then as a as a as a company planting even more trees and running carbon offsetting projects um so they're getting their they're looking after their staff uh the staff feel looked after the staff are healthy and they're trying to look after the planet and the planet's healthy so that company looks good is the idea i think the key learning there is make sure your rewards is uh, relative to your players in the same way make sure you use game mechanics which is right for the player types um i think that what you've created is fit link rather than having just a generic reward system that they can customize it based on what they think is the biggest reward or the perceived greatest reward for their staff uh, is a really really powerful tool to build in yeah exactly yeah and the, the message to them is like I don't know what your staff will like. You should do your HR. You, you you work with them on a daily basis. You know where they live. You know, so that you you should you're a better idea of coming up with some decent uh, rewards for sure. Yeah, I'm not sure I agree because I've done some user reward focus group testing at clients many times, and the managers had no idea what was coming out. Always quite surprising. There are like three main categories. I think normally there's like personal rewards. We've talked about you've got save the world rewards like planting trees, donating to charity, that sort of thing. And there's another one that we found works quite interesting, which is team based rewards, particularly for your corporate customers. So, what we found when we've used reward schemes is quite often instead of just taking a reward from themselves, a member of staff will actually say, Yeah, I'm going to cash in my points for pizza for the whole team or a whole like go karting expedition for this department, things like that. And I was wondering if you've got anything like that that you recommend or you've seen used no i love that um gonna steal that that's a really good one um so it's so on, on a similar so again just another idea uh was around if i built up a load of points 
um, I could I could give some points to somebody, you know, maybe, maybe in recognition or, you know, I just think, oh, you've done a good job. I, you know, I'm going to give some points to you. Or uh, the other idea is that people could maybe set themselves a a challenge goal. So I could say, look, my, my, my goal is to walk whatever up, up a mountain or to I want to run a half marathon or I want to do something, you know, something that means a lot to me, something epic that means something you know, to, to me. Um, I'm going to set the challenge and then other people in my team could potentially go, okay, if you, if you, if you hit that goal, I'm going to give you hundred of my points, you know, so they, they sort of commit, you know, I hundred points, but you've got to hit the goal. Um, and then, you know, so almost like those uh, charity donation pages where there's a, maybe a target or a funding, you know, sort of the crowdsource funding websites you see now. So yeah, there's me with my goal and, you know, people around me can donate some of their points if I hit my goal. Um, so yeah, similar thing. But no, I like your, you know, that's really nice. It's simpler to implement. That's the key thing. It would be great to know where have you, your key learnings and key wisdoms been around utilising gamification um, and creating health behaviours? Ooh, cool. You've got me stumped there. Key learnings. Um, I think it was around the, maybe the competitiveness of people and me assuming that leagues and leaderboards and 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 those sort of w- would be popular, um, and and they're not they're not that popular because it's, it just attracts the the people who are competitive and fit. Um, so it was sort of like the steps league becoming the most popular league and actually in the most competitive league. Like I say, because people are just going out there and just the leaderboard is just jumping around, um, you know, and it's just 50, 50 steps between different people. Um, so I suppose that was like a, you know, I just assumed that competitive leaderboards would be most, more successful. Um, I, yeah, I stumped really of, of kind of a good answer for that. Um, yeah. I, I, you know what? Fitlink is, I always still think Fitlink is in, in quite an early stage for us. We're still learning a lot. We don't have a huge amount of users. You know, we only, we only have nearly 9,000 well, 9, users globally. Um, and we've got a handful of businesses um, using it at the moment. And it's still, still so, so early for us. We're still learning. And, um, and because we're still always in that, you know, that shipping, shipping mode, we're just trying to ship product features, get the product to a place. And we're nearly we're nearly at a place where there's a good feature set, you know, everything's going well, yeah, and and we're and we're growing. We're we're, we're sort of at that gr- early growth stage now, and then it's a, it's almost at a point where we can take a step back and go, okay, now let's start looking at the data and looking at what what is what the what is working well here, what's not working well. So maybe if we talk again in a, in a few months um, and ask me that question again, I might go, do you know what we learned? Yeah, there was some learning here but yeah i can't really have a good enough i haven't got a good enough answer for that i'm sorry yeah no worries at all we will definitely invite you back to share those learnings but uh definitely put across today on the episode it's kind of what it means to be in that startup entrepreneurship mode that it's not about the academics it's about getting things down getting them out there getting people to use them um because there are so many gamification projects which i think never get started and from the learning i've had in the past few episodes is that in order for health gamification to really work, there needs to be health games for everyone. Um, different game mechanics, different things we're tracking. And so the more options out there, the better. And getting more options out there just takes people to go, sod it, I'm going to give it a shot and give it a go. And I think what you've done today is highlight in this episode that you've done that really successfully. And that's what other people need to look at in their area of specialism or their area of focus. Uh, but I want to say a huge thank you for joining today on, on the show. 
I'm going to add to that and say, yeah, I, I'm also really impressed with the ambition of yeah. how far you want to take it yeah. as well. Because health goals are for everyone. So it needs people with some big ambition to make a difference. So thank you. No, totally. Yeah, no, I, thank you so much for the kind words. And, you know, I genuinely passionate. I love it. And I am on a mission to, I always say my mission is to make the world fit, healthy and happy. That's a big, but that's my target. You know, you aim high. And if you, if you slightly miss, that's that's fair enough. But, but yeah, I, Improving everyone's health of technology, I think, is a good thing because technology just has a bad rep, full stop. But I say to people, it's not about, you know, you, it's using technology in a positive, healthy way. And that's what I want to do. And, and gamification has such an important play. That gamification is, is, is like the secret to the success of, it will be the secret to the success of FitLink. It's getting the gamification just working right for different gamers, for different users, different use cases and getting it right. Um so that, that yeah, I'll, I'll be working on that. Actually, just preparing for this interview forced me to think a lot about it. And I, I, I started off thinking, there's not, we don't actually do much gamification inside of the app. And then I started actually thinking about it deep. Actually, you know, this is gamification. That's, we have like tier levels and things. So actually quite a lot. And actually, is that, is that our USP as a, as a sort of like an employee well-being app? Is gamifying corporate wellness, is our, does anybody else do that? Anyway. It's not a question. I'm asking myself that. <laughs> I will let you go off and explore those thoughts. Uh, but I want to thank you again, Paul, for joining today. Yeah, thanks a lot, guys.